0: Thank you so much for joining us for this time. And uh, I want to share this morning from God's word, but to begin, I want to talk about, about dwelling in caves, living in caves, uh, probably 12 or 15 times over I've counted uh, roughly, uh, probably 12 to 15 times in the last three weeks. I've heard people make comment about they, they feel like they're living in a cave. I think it was maybe a little bit more of this when it was colder, but you know people self-isolating, they're, they're in their homes, they're with their families, or maybe they're alone, and they just feel kind of closed in. A lot of people have been talking about how they just feel like, like they're in a cave, um, or they're coming out of a cave, or they feel like they're just bound up in a cave. And it's interesting terminology there, this, this, this cave dwelling, if you will. We're, we're, I don't know if I don't know if you're used to it, but but we've had a lot of that. Uh, just a few days ago, news broke. Uh, it was on I think Tuesday or Wednesday. Uh, of last week that there were six people in India who, when the coronavirus started going around that country, they uh, hid away in a cave, and they were in a cave for 25 days, eventually had to be arrested. One of them was arrested, uh, rescued. Uh, Maybe they were arrested as well when they got out, but they were rescued 25 days in a cave, and I I thought, man, I don't think I would make it that long living in a cave. So I don't know how you've been dealing with all of this, but, but I think our Caves are better than than those caves. The Bible talks about a man who lived in a cave for a time. Uh, In 1 Samuel chapter 22, if you have a Bible with you, you can go ahead and turn there. In 1 Samuel chapter 22, it records how a man named David, for a time, lived in a cave. David is one of those great personalities of the Bible, particular to the Old Testament. He's mentioned often in the New Testament as well, but his story is recorded, his true story is recorded in the Old Testament. He's one of those great personalities of the Bible. Uh, we read about and we study a lot about David's life. I think in part because he's a person who's very relatable. The the different things that he went through, uh, we see them and we see our lives in his life and his life in ours. He's a very relatable person, so for that reason we know a lot of things about him. The Bible records a large portion of his life, and, and we see again and again our lives in his life. But David's time as a cave dweller is, I think, often very overlooked. He was a person who spent time, in, and it's, it's very brief, it's a, uh, a brief, right? well, in fact, let's, let's go ahead and read it. Uh, but before we do that, actually, to better appreciate 1 Samuel chapter 22, uh, it helps to understand what led up to that chapter, the six chapters before this. Uh, David was identified, uh, six chapters before this, as the future king of Israel. The Bible records how the prophet Samuel came and anointed him as the future king. He was anointed, but he wasn't yet appointed. Those are two different things. Uh, He knew that he was going to become king. He didn't understand all that that meant, but but he knew that, that God had placed his hand upon him to be the future king. Five chapters before 1 Samuel chapter 22, God used David to take down that that nine-foot giant named Goliath. Perhaps you're familiar with that story. One of the great uh, dramatic stories of the Old Testament, how how God used him, this this man who seemed to be very unlikely, going against this this man of, of almost supernatural strength. But God supernaturally used David to take down that giant. And then Four chapters before 1 Samuel chapter 22, David was a high-ranking military man. He he was a national hero. And and it talks about how, how people knew about him and even sang about David. All of this while he was still a relatively young man. But three chapters before the chapter that we're going to read from this morning, three chapters before this, David began running from a jealous and vengeful and... and uh, a deadly king named Saul. That's a whole different story, a chapter about his life, but by this chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 22, David was still running. The first 10 words of 1 Samuel chapter 22, I want you to read it, let me pull it up into my Bible here. The first 10 words of 1 Samuel chapter 22 read this way. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adulim. It's very brief. Let me read it again. David left Gath and escaped to the cave of Adjolim. Now it's it's very easy to, to read those words and just move on. I don't know if you've ever done that in the Bible where you just read something and you go, okay, that's that's just information. Let's move on. But I want us, I want us to pause and just look at those those first ten words of that chapter. Those few words tell us that this once highly regarded hero, this, this highly regarded young man, is now a cave dweller. He, he's, he's living, you talk about going from one extreme to another. He's now hiding out, this one-time hero is now hiding out in a cave. It must have been very hard to go from such heights to such depths. For David. It had to be hard to become a cave dweller. Not only that, but there were other things because he was on the run from this vengeful, destructive king. Because of that, there are other things that he left behind. We know the Bible tells us that David was married. He, he had a wife, but, but of course, she couldn't be with him. He had a best friend named, named Jonathan, but Jonathan wasn't around. Jonathan wasn't there in the cave with him. His reputation, we know, was in shreds. His home, if he still had one, was probably under surveillance. And, and his ability to move about freely, well, that was, that was greatly reduced. It was restricted. He was living with these, in, in these difficult, difficult times. They must have been some extremely tough times for David, this, this, for this time, this cave dweller. But I want you to understand, I've said a few things about David, some of the things that he did, some of the, the things that, that, were, that, uh, that he had accomplished. But the most important thing that I needed to say about David was that he was also in God's plan. He was in this cave, but he was also in God's plan. You see, David loved God and God loved David. Two different times in the Bible, once in the Old Testament here in 1 Samuel and once in the New Testament in the book of Acts, it it regards David as a man after God's own heart. That was a heart connection. It wasn't just that David knew about God. It wasn't that he just followed the the law of Moses. But more than that, he had a heart connection with God. He had a relationship with God. Now, he wasn't a Christian Christian. He couldn't be a Christian. Jesus had not yet died on the cross and and been raised from the dead. But he was a God-honoring man who deeply loved and revered his Father in heaven. And God loved him. See, there's this relationship. I think of all of the things about David, more than even being a giant killer, more than being a national hero, more than eventually becoming this great king, he was a man who had a heart for God. And God loved him. It's talking about relationship. I also believe that the greatest thing that can be said of us is not our position or our title, our accomplishments, what we've done or not done. But the greatest thing that can be said of us is that we have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Quite simply, that is the most important thing in life. There is nothing else that even comes a close second. It is... Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ and does he know you? Do you have this living relationship with Christ? I'm not talking about just being a part of a church. I'm not talking about being a part of a denomination or, or having membership someplace. I'm not, I'm not talking about some event, though well-meaning in the past. Rather, do you walk with the Lord Jesus Christ? David knew God, and that, that made such a difference for what was happening here in this cave and also because we can be in relationship with Jesus Christ, through uh, have a relationship with God through Christ, he can also lead us. Just as God led David into this hard place, into this difficult place, God can lead us, his people, into hard places, but he does so for a purpose. And when he does this, amazing things can happen. I, uh, I surrendered my life to the Lord many years ago uh, many of you who are listening or watching you, you did the same, and those of us who have been following Christ for a period of time can look back and very clearly identify the difficult times that God led us into, not because we were stupid or 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 because we were disobedient to him oh we've we 've all suffered for those reasons, but i 'm talking about in his plan and in his purpose, walking with him, he leads us through and into these difficult times. And he can do that, he does that, but he has a purpose in it. He has a purpose for us while we're in those hard places or in those, those caves of our own. One thing that happened to David in his cave is that, that David was broken. Now, again, I want to be careful just looking at the text, looking at the entire story of David, particularly during this time. There was a great deal of breaking taking place within him. Maybe it was because he had had a lot of victories early on. Uh, Certainly it was in part because of what God wanted to do with him later on. But God led him into this time where he was broken. I believe during this time, David was broken of self-sufficiency. There may have been some elements of pride there may have been some other things that were present in his life that, that God was dealing with and, 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 and rendering out during that difficult time as a cave dweller. I really believe that these first ten words of 1 Samuel chapter 22 records in brief a, a period of time where David was broken. This was necessary because then and now, in God's great plan, before he greatly uses someone, they are first greatly broken. If God desires to use someone greatly, then they must also first be broken greatly. Like many of you, I have people that uh, in the history of Christianity, I can look back and read their biographies and see how they were greatly used of God. There are people that, that I have seen who are still living today who have been greatly used of God. But I think if you were to look closely, if you were to go into their past, every person that has been greatly used of God will have this in common. They've also been greatly broken in difficult times. This is without exception. The people who are greatly used of God are first greatly broken. The great writer, one of my favorite writers, C.S. Lewis, uh, wrote this. He said, hardships often prepare ordinary people for an extraordinary destiny. God takes ordinary people. David was in many ways ordinary. In fact, he was far less than extraordinary. When he was first identified by the prophet Samuel, he was according to his family the least likely to ever be picked for greatness god takes ordinary people and he through hardship he prepares them for extraordinary things this season of of david's life prepared david it prepared him greatly David would eventually become his nation's greatest king. David would, would lead God's people into astounding victories. David would, would be, would be uh, remembered like few other people in, in all of the Bible. So much so that now 3,000 years later, we're still talking about him. But before all of those things could take place, it happened in part Because a man was broken in a cave in a hard place. If you are going through a breaking time, not only because of this current situation, I I don't want to qualify it simply to this because there are other difficult times that we go through. In fact, you may relate to this message more in six months or a year or a few years from now than you do right now. But if you're going through a breaking time, I want you to remember that that God is leading you into this time not to to end your life, but to shape your life. He has a purpose in this. He has a purpose for this. During this time, in these last couple of weeks, it's been such a strange time for everybody. As a pastor, I've not been able to have the the one-on-one connection like I have had in the past certainly with as a congregation but I want you to know those of you that are a part of AFA I want you to know that I have been praying for the people of our congregation I've been praying that in this time during this season, God will be doing some some breaking in you. I don't say that because I have this this twisted sense of well, I I want to see people hurt. No, that that there would be something very wrong if I want to see people go through pain, but I do want to see people broken of certain things. I've been praying this, God, through this difficult time, through this this cave experience as a cave dweller speaking to fellow cave dwellers, may God do a breaking within us. May he, may he reveal some things that maybe we didn't see before because of the difficult challenges that we're facing uh, or, or the unusual things that we're facing. May he expose those things so that they can be broken so that God can greatly use us. This has been my prayer for you and continues to be so. Whenever somebody goes through a hard time, whenever they go through a, a cave experience for whatever reason, this is my prayer. Oh God, Shape them, break them, and prepare them for all that you have for them. In that that cave, as I mentioned, David was broken. But he also, the second thing is that he also found a great refuge in God. A great refuge in God. That, that, That means that he found his hope and his source of strength and his protection Not in his own abilities, because that had been broken. He realized there are certain things that he could not do. In fact, there were many things that he could not do. But it was during this time that he found a great refuge in God. He found God as the source of his hope and his strength and his protection. Now, you may be thinking, you know, we just read those those first ten words of that verse and you may be thinking, well, you know, that's, that's nice. Okay, I get that he found his refuge in God, but it doesn't, it doesn't say that here. And it, and it doesn't. It doesn't record it. This is just the facts uh, of, the, uh, of the day, the, the facts of the events here. But it does say this elsewhere. Um, in the Bible, the book of Psalms, which is, uh, has more chapters than any other in the, uh, in the Bible, the book of Psalms has actually 150 chapters. And half of those, 75 chapters, were written by, by David. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, but written by David. Uh, and three of those chapters, three of those chapters were actually written <laughs> while David was a cave dweller. And if you understand that, when you read those, it takes on a whole different meaning. For example, Psalm 142 is one of those three chapters. Psalm 142, uh, I I want you to listen to the words, but I want you to understand. I want you to picture, if you will, as I read this, David in this dark and dank and, and, and rough, difficult place of a cave. This is what he wrote, Psalm 142. I cry aloud to the Lord. I lift up my voice to the Lord for mercy. I pour out before him my complaint. Before him I tell my trouble. Do you hear his voice? Do you see him there in that cave? He went on. He said, When my spirit grows faint within me, it is you who watches over my way. In the path where I walk, people have hidden a snare for me. Look and see. There is no one at my right hand no one is concerned for me. I have no refuge. No one cares for my life. I cry to you, Lord. I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. That was written in the cave of Agilom. That was written by this man who, who there in, in, in verse 4, it's, he said, he said, no one is concerned for me. I have no one, no other refuge. No one cares for my life. But in verse, there in verse 5, he says, but you are my refuge. You are my portion in the land of the living. When I read this, I get the feeling that David was on his face before God. Each line there, each of those lines that I read in the first five verses of that chapter, each of those lines is, a, I, I pictured David on his face crying out to God, calling out to God in a very, very desperate place. Let me tell you something. Desperation is underrated. Often, often God doesn't get our attention or we don't listen to God un, unless we are In a desperate place. Again, I don't don't pray for people to suffer or to hurt, but when people invariably experience the difficulties of life, my prayer for myself, for my family, for you, for others, is that, oh God, in that desperate, desperate place, may they find their refuge. In you, David also wrote, I mentioned that there were three. David also wrote Psalm 57 while he, was a, while he was a cave dweller. Verses 1 and 2 of that chapter read this way. Have mercy on me, my God. Have mercy on me, for in you I take refuge. There it is again. I will take refuge in the shadow of your wings until the disaster has had passed has passed. What a, what a great promise. Until the disaster has passed, I will take refuge in you. Wow, what a message for today. What a message for any time. Until this disaster, whatever it might be, has passed, I'm going to take refuge in you. And when, And when it's over, I'm still going to take refuge in you because there's hope in no other. Verses 9 through 11. I will praise you, Lord, David wrote, among the nations. I will sing of you among the peoples. For great is your love reaching to the heavens. Your faithfulness reaches to the skies. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. You know, in fact, there's a song that actually comes from that. Maybe you didn't know that. David wrote that. the lyrics to that song. And he wrote it. While he was a cave dweller, he wrote it while he was running from a, a wicked king. He wrote it in a hard place. David's on his knees. And that, uh, that, that previous psalm that I read, he, it's like he's on his face, and here he's on his knees. He's crying out to God. He's praying, God, have mercy on me. I find my refuge in you. Thank you for your faithfulness. I can, I can picture him on the floor of that cave, which, by the way, you know, whenever uh, you see a cave on TV, it's all smooth and nice and big. I used to be a cave crawler, a, a spelunker. I used to, a long time ago when I was much younger and much skinnier, I used to crawl through caves all of the time. I'll tell you what, they're rough places. They're hard places. But I can see David on his knees in that cave, crying out to God and God hearing him and even in the bowels of the earth God could hear him Psalm 34 the 34th Psalm was also written by David the the cave dweller verses 1 through 4 I will extol the Lord at all times His praise will always be on my lips. I will glory in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Verses three and four. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. What a powerful truth. And it means so much more when we realize that it was written by a man on the the run hiding in a cave. And in that dark, in that isolated place, he wasn't self-isolating. He was, he was forced to do this. In that dark and isolated place, David met with God, and here he seems to be on his feet. On that, In that first psalm that we read, I can see him on his face before God. Uh, on uh, on the second psalm that, that we read, from which we read it, I can see him on his knees, but here I see him on his feet. And he's declaring, he's praising, he's rejoicing. God has delivered him from his fear. There's still, the circumstances have not changed. There's still a murderous king who wants to take David out. He's still outside the cave. That king's armies are still after him. He's still a hunted man. He's still, he, he, he's, he's still uh, uh, running from, from, from imminent death. But he's been delivered from his fear. The challenges were there, but he's been delivered from his fear. He, he, the, the circumstances are still very stark, but but he's praising God. He's rejoicing in God. You see, praise and, and worship are not, are not something that we do when everything is perfect. Praise and worship, when when we do that, we do that in spite of what is out there and in part because of what is out there. I'm going to look up to you. I'm going to declare your praises. I'm going to speak and sing of your faithfulness. And you deliver me from my fear. Well, there's a lot of fear out there. There's A lot of fear right now. There is a Mentioned before a couple of weeks ago, there's a pandemic of fear. But God and God alone can deliver us from our fears. He can take care of everything else as well, but thank God that he delivers us from our fears. David's, David's cave experience began as a most frustrating time but it became one of his most formative of times. And the same is true of us. God can lead us into times that are so difficult and so closed in and so difficult and we feel like there's no way out. I can't, I can't do anything. I just feel so limited. But it's in those frustrating times that can be the, if we're in God's plan among his most formative of times on us. This too has been my prayer for you. That this difficult time, or whatever difficult time you're going through, will not only be a breaking time, but it'll be a time in which you find your refuge in God. We don't like hard places. None of us do. We especially don't like them for long periods of time. And and by the way, we don't know how long David was a a cave dweller, but it was for some time. But listen, listen, God shapes us and God forms us in those hard places and I believe that he's doing that for so many of us as we submit ourselves to him. For a moment I want to pray with you and wherever you are I'd I'd like you even just to buy where you may be in your living room or you may be listening in a car I I, don't don't close your eyes if you're in a car driving but Would you bow your heads with me? I I, I want to agree with you in prayer. Lord, I thank you that you, you love us so much that you lead us into times of breaking. But you have a purpose. When we surrendered our lives to you, we surrendered every part of it. And, and that includes our future. And so, Lord, as you lead us into those times, we pray that your will would be accomplished in us. And in those difficult times, especially in those difficult times, that this seems like they're very conducive to you breaking us. Would you break us in that time? And Lord, I pray that we would find our refuge in you in these times. That we would understand that you alone can deliver us. That you alone can, can strengthen us. That you alone are our refuge And that, Lord, you alone can deliver us from our fears. So I pray this. I pray this for every person listening. And I thank you. We thank you, Lord, for your word. Speak to us again and again through it. In Jesus' name, amen. I want you to know also that uh, this is just actually week one. Next week, I'm going to continue on into 1 Samuel chapter 22. And we're going to look at this a little bit more about uh, David, the cave dweller. And I want you to join us for that. I want you to listen along uh, with that. But, but until then, uh, and I speak directly to the, our people of AFA, you know, our mission is still there. Our purpose is still very, very real. We still believe, regardless of circumstances, that, that the, the great commandment that Jesus gave and the great commission to which he called us, they're still in effect. So I encourage you, by the power of God, love God with everything in you, love people, and share Jesus Christ. God bless you. Thank you so much for being a part of our time together today. God bless you.